From the men's room at Jackrabbit Slims, it's the IGN Digigods. And now, two men known for the intensity of their blacks, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. And another fine, fine intro from our longtime listener, John Hartzell. Yes, indeed. Thank you, John. Always fine intros. So, Mark, we had good times at our awards dinner, didn't we? We did. You sat next to uh, Jackie Weaver. I did. And you sat next to? My mother. And? Oh, the production designer yes. for Inception. Of course. Who was very nice. He was there with his wife. And yeah. uh, that guy's going to get nominated for an Academy Award. Great story that he had about uh, how he got the job. He actually told me, that when I walked up, it's funny, I walked up to him, the production designer for Inception, and I said, uh, you know, congratulations, you know, we're sitting at the same table, introducing my mother, and I said, look, uh, people assume that when you have a lot of money, then production design must be easy, because you can just buy whatever you want. We have all the money in the world, and that's sure. not really the case. No. I mean, you still have to be creative, you know, and everybody has a budget. And you still have to be clever, and you still have to service the movie. It doesn't matter how much money you have. Yeah. And he really appreciated that, and then he told me the story that he wound up telling on stage. Which is that he was not the first choice, that uh, Nolan's regular guy was uh, otherwise preoccupied, and uh, that he went in, he was one of a number of guys, of high, highly touted guys, and he was the kind of the the unknown and he went in without uh, he didn't bring his portfolio he didn't bring any artwork he just said well you you seem to me the kind of director that knows what he wants and doesn't want me telling you what he wants and he got hired based on that he got hired based on that and then right after he got hired he got... Nolan said now that I've hired you can you give me a portfolio please <laughs> but that's, that's a pretty gutsy thing to do it is you know and, uh, and look the, the movie I think the movie is one of the best of the year I liked it a lot you liked it more than I did, but certainly the production design is, design is the, uh, the, the, uh, the jewel in that crown. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, we got tons of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, movies and DVDs and TV and all kinds of junk. But we're going to start off real quickly because we only have one foreign language title this week. Mark, um, this movie got a lot of love in the emails uh, before our voting. And it is out on uh, DVD this week. It is a Greek film that kind of got some attention. Well, it won the Certain Regards section at the Cannes Film Festival, a Greek film by the name of Dogtooth, by a filmmaker named Yorgos Lanthimos. I'm not even going to try to describe this thing. Would you care to tell the, uh, the kind folks out there what the hell Dogtooth is all about? I like this movie. This is a bizarre, folks, if you like b bizarre movies, if you like movies that are not like other movies, you need to see this movie. How can I explain this? In Dogtooth, there is... God, this is the simplest way I can say it. In Dogtooth, there's a, a husband and wife, and uh, they live in a secluded home with their children. And the thing is, is that for their entire lives, their children have never left the house. And their parents have taught them whatever they wanted to. They've Because the kids have no other input from the outside other than what their mother and father says... They have spent their whole lives being taught the most crazy, wild, wackiest things like, you know, cats, house cats are the most dangerous, ferocious animals in the world. If you go outside beyond the walls of the house, you will be attacked and killed. 
And so literally the kids in this house have never left the house because their parents have propagandized them with all these wild things that are going to happen if they leave. Well, you are making this sound like a movie I want to see because that that you're, the you're, thing making, is that it's you're not, making it sound better than I actually thought it was. And the thing is that it's not funny. It's not played for comedy. No. It's played for, for surreality, if I may coin a phrase. Right. And Dogtooth is just a really – I mean it's, it's funny because it's just so bizarre and not played for straight laughs. And it's uh, just a really cool film. It's just – very enigmatic and uh, bizarre and indescribable. I just, I'm telling you, man, you got to rent Dogtooth. It's just some crazy stuff. Well, I will leave it there. Because it, is the, uh, it, is, it is the most twisted episode of The Twilight Zone you will ever see. That's a good way of putting it. Not, not my favorite film, but you know what? I, I totally accept that there are people out there that are going to uh, really. It was crazy. You and Bob Kohler. Well, actually, I'm surprised Bob liked it because it, it wasn't four and a half hours long. You know, uh, also this week, terrific release from Vanguard. Once again, conflict of interest here for us because we did a commentary for this, The Bird Can't Fly with Barbara Hershey, which is uh, a really intriguing film uh, about a woman who returns to her. She's a chef, and she returns to the uh, South African town that she's from uh, after her daughter dies, and she discovers that she has a grandchild that she never knew about. Now, the whole thing is played for kind of magical realism or magical surrealism African style because this town is slowly being covered by sand. So there's a really uh, surreal quality to it. But I, 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 think, uh, I think even if you don't particularly like this kind of film, I think you'll respond to it. Our commentary, of course, is brilliant. Oh, yeah. Yes, it's exceptional. Especially my comments. Your comments, yes. I, I can vouch for your comments. Yeah, well, you know. But, uh, no, Barbara Hershey is just, she mixes it up in such interesting ways. And uh, this well, is look, just one of those performances where you realize that she still not only has it, but she can do stuff you've never seen her do before. Well, look, it, it's very difficult for women of that age to get work at all, let alone something that is so challenging and interesting as The Bird Can't Fly. It's a, it's a strange movie. It's not, for, it's not everybody's taste. Uh, you know, understand that you you may rent it and not dig it. It's a very surreal film, not everybody's taste, but uh, you know you might want to give it a shot because you know we're just so brilliant. You know, we have gotten a lot of stuff from PBS lately. PBS uh, distribution has just gone nuts with their documentaries, and there's some really really good stuff out there. But it, the the flow has increased to a quantum degree. So I am going to blow through in just a couple of minutes uh, some of the best of all of this. That uh, you, you you know, if you're a documentary fan, you just you get a smorgasbord of really good stuff in all of this, and it covers everything, all aspects of art and culture and performance and history and everything. So. Here we go. We have Paris, the Luminous Years Toward the Making of the Modern. Uh, this is a Perry Miller Adato documentary that uh, is sort of all about modernism in art. And it is, uh, it is really, really intriguing. Gets into uh, sort of how, the, you know, how Paris was the womb that birthed all of this. Uh, then we've got... Uh, Make No Little Plans, Daniel Burnham and the American City. Now, this is, if you've never heard of architect Daniel Hudson Burnham, you should have, because he's kind of the the father of uh, modern urban planning in many respects. And, uh, you know, the, there would be no skyscrapers without him. There would be many of the things that we associate with the modern city, in America at least, uh, just wouldn't be there. So... 
that's worth a look. And then uh, William Kentridge, Anything is Possible. Again, you probably a lot of you probably have never heard of William Kentridge. Uh, we spoke a little bit about South Africa with the, uh, the Barbara Hershey film, That Bird Can't Fly. Uh, William Kentridge is a an, an artist from South Africa who, who does kind of multimedia, uh, rather extraordinary multimedia things that combine performance and film and uh, just conventional art and uh, really quite interesting because so much of him is political. Everything, you know, anything to do with South Africa is political. Uh, so it's interesting how that imply how that impacts his art. Trapped in an elevator was a uh, particularly gripping moment of uh, installment of Nova. It will take you up and down the entire technical world of elevators. Um, that was not a very clever way of putting that. I tried to make a little. Yeah, Wade's, really a, Wade's a little under the weather this I'm week. I'm a little under the weather, so if you can hear it in my voice. So uh, brain's not working quite like I would hope it might. Anyway, this is all about elevators all over the world. And uh, you, you've you never wanted to know so much about elevators, but it's really fascinating. You know, Mike Rotman, the uh, host of uh, Stupid for, the uh, producer of Stupid for Movies, is afraid of elevators. Is he really? He will not go on an elevator. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. Well, if he goes... Are you serious? I'm quite serious. He actually he worked at he worked at my company for a while on a freelance basis. Yeah, and he had to take an elevator upstairs. It was the only way, and uh, it, it flipped him out. He, Jeez, it was bizarre. Wow. Well, then we also have another episode of Nova Quest for Solomon's Mines, which of course anybody who knows you know don't just go off the dumb movies, but there really were you know mines of King Solomon, and uh, where his his riches were from, and. Uh, this goes. In, this is a kind of a joint effort between Nova and National Geographic on uh, as they go doing a little bit of Indiana Jones work to try and track them down. Uh, fine series on PBS is Secrets of the Dead. They've done a lot of great episodes, and this one is called Slave Ship Mutiny, and this is about the uh, the Meerman, which was a ship in 1766. Uh, a Dutch ship that had uh, just filled with slaves that were uh, going to be delivered, but the slave ship never made it to Cape Town in South Africa. And uh, there was a, it is an honest to goodness mutiny, and it's really a fascinating piece of history. So this goes, this kind of reconstructs that really, really good. And then another installment of Secrets of the Dead is the Silver Pharaoh. Uh, the Silver Pharaoh is Pharaoh. And I'm going to mispronounce this like crazy, I know. Susenes the First. That's not bad. Anyway, uh, this guy really does. He rivals uh, all of the other uh, tombs that have been opened in Egypt. And uh, it's quite extraordinary. I mean, the you know, forget about the gold on King Tut. This silver sarcophagus is just breathtaking. And, um, you know, the political and historical anecdotes that go along with it are quite fascinating says you says me for sure frontline did an unbelievable show called death by fire did texas execute an innocent man uh you know that's really our even people who support the death penalty are always forced to say you know gosh the, the, there's always that risk that you might get one who didn't do something and you don't want to find that out after the fact and uh you know, when it's too late. And this is about the execution in 2004 of a guy named Cameron Todd Willingham, uh, who was executed for killing his three children. And uh, now they re-examine it, and it may well be that he didn't do it. And that's just a, it's a horrible tragedy. But, it, you know, regardless of where you fall on the death penalty debate, definitely watch it. It's really good. 
Uh, we're getting out of the end there, Mark. Uh, Masterpiece Contemporary did a show called Framed, a story of art and love. Um, this is, again, I'm. this is fictitious, by the way. This is a, this is a narrative. This is drama. But um, I'm not a huge, huge fan of this, but I know a lot of people were really, really into this. It's based on a Frank Cottrell Boyce children's novel. And uh, it's got some decent performances in it. Uh, I, you know, find it. I found it a little bit uh, twee. Is that the way that you always describe these things? <laughs> twee. It really is true. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, it takes place in North Wales, and uh, you know, it's a, it's kind of a family thing. But you know, if you heard about it, check it out. Uh, another Nova, Secrets of Stonehenge. I've actually driven by Stonehenge, never been there, but uh, it's fascinating. Everybody you crashed into it, didn't you? You crashed, crashed into Stonehenge into we did. and knocked it over, and knocked then, it then you had to put it back up. And then uh, Spinal Tap came along and sang their Stonehenge song. Awesome. With little tiny Stonehenges and midgets. <laughs> <laughs> Why do we love that movie so much? Anyway, no, if you don't know anything about Stonehenge, this will tell you everything you ever wanted to know. It's fascinating. We still don't really know what it was or who built it or why, but, you know, it's, it's great. And uh, Nova gets right to the heart of the matter. Oh, that Nova. Oh, that Nova. Uh, episode of Nature Echo, an elephant to remember. Anything involving elephants, always fun. Ele- uh, Echo uh, was actually this uh, uh, quite a famous elephant. She uh, died in 2009, but she had this unbelievable life. I mean, really, like the, you know, she's like the Catherine Hepburn of elephants. And uh, so you get to sort of revisit what made this elephant so unique and so extraordinary and so world famous. And wow, what a life. Elephants live a long time, you know. They do. So does the segment of the memories. show. This segment of the show lives a long time, too. I'm, I'm, I'm going as fast as I can. Uh, fixing the future, creating local jobs and building prosperity. Obviously, at this time, we need to know about how to get jobs back into this economy. And uh, this is it's not the, the best way of, you know, this isn't the most comprehensive look at it. The, this guy, David Brancaccio, is uh, the sort of takes you on a on a tour of how we can possibly do this and talks to economists and job creators and middle class and lower class you know it's tonic for our times that's beautiful way and a little bit of natural stuff here we have another episode of nature on both dvd and blu-ray braving iraq which i quite like a lot definitely worth checking out on blu-ray if you can uh you know saddam hussein was a was not just a guy who murdered people he murdered nature he murdered nature and uh the uh the mesopotamian marshes were like this this wealth of uh, e- this amazing ecosystem, and uh, he just he just ravaged it. Anyway, uh, this is about uh, you know how the how they can uh, sort of get it back to where it was. It's pretty great, um, but look, it's beautiful to look at, nicely photographed. Blu-ray is always good for nicely photographed stuff. Uh, also on Blu-ray. Preferable to the DVD is another episode of Nature. Uh, Wolverine chasing the Phantom. Uh, you know what? Wolverines are mean, but I like them. They just—they're just cool animals. So uh, check it out. They're—they're—they're they're, they're ornery, but they're awesome. And nature documentaries rule. You know, at this point, Wolverine is so synonymous with the character that Hugh Jackman plays that you forget that a Wolverine is an actual—it's an actual animal. It's, it's kind of like a badger, but they're even more ornery than badgers. And then lastly, uh, my favorite, once again, from nature, revealing the leopard. One of the most beautiful creatures on the, on the planet. I mean, they are predatory. They kill things. I know sometimes you don't like it when they chase down gazelles and eat them and stuff. But 
gosh, they're just awesome. They're really awesome. Uh, and this is this is just, I mean, the photography will blow your mind. Absolutely, check it out. This is uh, basically, you know, they, the uh, the the crew followed a um, a female leopard and her cubs, and uh, you know that along with some other uh, anecdotes makes this a really cool nature documentary. So just they're getting close, man. Those t- those leopards are just awesome. I love them. Stupid leopards. Stupid leopards. All right, so there we go. We just blew through that. We got some swag this week. Should we talk a little about the swag, or do you want to jump into TV? I'll, I'll make you a deal. Yeah. I will talk about TV. Yes. If you promise. Yes. When I'm done. Yes. We'll talk about real movies that people care about. You got it. Okay. Jesus Christ. Uh, the Adventures of Merlin, season uh, two. This show... Um, I don't like this show because this is one of those shows that takes classic old characters and makes them teenagers. So this is essentially the teenage Merlin running around in medieval times and, you know, you know, battling assassins and monsters and crazy sorcerers and whatnot. And I'm just not into that kind of stuff. Uh, some good extras, though, if you are, including uh, introductions by the cast and crew, commentaries behind the scenes. So if you're into Merlin season two, uh, you should definitely get the DVD. Um, also, people don't remember that in the early 90s, the Family Channel did a Zorro, re, uh, Zorro show. And there were like 88 episodes of this thing. And on... Um, I vaguely remembered it. On a- until the DVD set came in, and then it all came back to me. Well, now we have the uh, full series, 88 episodes on 15 DVDs, Zorro, the complete series. This, again, is the 1990s era uh, Family Channel series. The show is pretty stupid. There was an episode of this show where uh, uh, where um, Santa Claus shows up. Now, this is Zorro. No kidding. Santa Claus. Okay. Zorro. Okay. Santa Claus. All right. Not happening. So there was some really cheesy stuff in this show, but some of the swashbuckling was... Uh, some, some of the buckling was very well swashed, let me just say. So, uh, so that's a big old set, 15 DVDs there. Uh, also from BBC, Doctor Who. Uh, everyone knows what I think of Doctor Who, which is it's been on for 75 years. It, it, this thing like predates the dinosaur, these Doctor Who shows. We have, they're awesome. Um, well, the Tom Baker ones are awesome. Well, uh, there, are, there is some Tom Baker here. You know, Tom Baker was from 74 to 81. Yep. And there is a thing called uh, Doctor Who Meglos. That's the Tom it's Baker actually, stuff. That's a, that's a pretty good adventure, actually. Uh, Sylvester McCoy is from 87 to 99. So we have from him uh, Silver Nemesis. And Patrick Troughton was from 66 to 69. Jeez. I, he was kind of a weird-looking, ugly guy. I, I, the, I, I all those early him. ones were, were weird-looking, ugly guys. I, they really were. Yeah. Uh, they, weren't like, they weren't very heroic. John Pertwee was one of those. But his son, Sean Pertwee, he's part of that whole... That whole uh, crew of young of young British Turk actory people of young Pertwee'ans. Yeah, Sean Pertwee. He's actually really good, actually. Uh, back in the states, the Temptations is this. Is, this has been out before, by the way. This is uh, I love this. This is one of the best all time TV movies. I don't know. I usually think TV movies and miniseries are crap, but this one really, really just rocked. Well, this is Alan Arkish directed this, and uh, this is good stuff. It's all about it's all it's all told through the eyes of the founding member Otis Williams. And, uh, you know, this is an Emmy Award-winning miniseries. It's really good. Uh, it's all about Smokey Robinson. You know, you get, you get some of the old classic characters there, and all the acting is very good. It's, it, the, the, you know, the, the drama of how The Temptations came together and then fell apart, really, really well executed. It's just a terrifically well-written movie. Uh, the sixth season of... Oh, my God. The sixth <laughs> season of Matlock. Look at this completely airbrushed... 
Photoshop photo of, of, of Andy Griffith as Matlock playing the banjo. I know. I, I it's it, it, I don't know if that, I don't know how, how is that supposed to sell off the shelf? Is anyone going to walk up and go, "Look, it's the it's the epi- the, the season where Matlock plays the banjo." I mean, what? I mean, come on, old people, just get with the program. You know, why is it that old people love seeing shows with other old people? Who cares? I don't know. Why don't you see a show that entertains you? Yeah. Like, well, like this is the worst show in the world, but people watched it because it stars an old person. It's bizarre. Who gives an F? I don't know. Jesus Christ. Wait, this is the whole thing's pissing me off. I know. Um, also from the BBC, you know, wait, you didn't talk about it. this. is BBC crap you didn't talk about. It. I know. Waking the Dead. I'm letting you do it this, this week. This is series five. Now, because this is British television, this is uh, only six episodes from the fifth series. This is a, uh, it's, 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 you know, it's a pretty good drama. All, all this BBC drama stuff is actually pretty good. Uh, it's about a cold case team, and, uh, you know, they. They uh, resurrect long dead cases and try to find the uh, perpetrators. And uh, it's not bad. Not bad. There's only six episodes, as we say, but it is all of season five. Uh, on Blu-ray, we have Justify. You know, with um, between Deadwood and now Justify, there's always a little bit of Western stuff going on on, uh, on the old cable. And I like Westerns. Uh, although I love Deadwood, uh, I'm a little less uh, enthralled with Justify. This it ain't. The, it, it, it's so so. It, it, I want to give it some time to be fair to it. It, it. it may kind of become something. Yeah. Well, it stars Tim, uh, Timothy Oliphant, and uh, he's a you know he's a kind of a modern dayish kind of old west guy, and uh, it's you know it's uh, it's based on an Elmore Leonard thing, uh, which is great. Although. Now that you're in the second season, you've blown way past anything that Elmore Leonard had in mind for this character. But, um, you know, uh, the guy, he's a Western kind of lawman. He's in Harlan County, Kentucky. And, uh, you know, it's just some good stuff. It's almost like um, he's almost like an old style cowboy, an old style Wyatt Earp type sheriff in Kentucky. So it really kind of blends those sensibilities uh, pretty well. People dug it. Um, another old style cowboy is Webster. Oh yes, he is. He's what oh, the Webster. Now um, Webster, played he got by Emmanuel, fat too. You've seen him. You've seen him lately, haven't you? It's terrible. He's fat. <laughs> how do you, he's a little Webster. How do, you, oh, how do you pack fat on that little body? Oh, what happens to all of us? Now yeah. Webster, uh, which was a sitcom in the early to mid eighties, uh, Webster has never been released on DVD. I know, isn't that amazing? So we finally have uh, with Emmanuel Lewis, Alex Karras, and uh, Susan Clark the first season of Webster. Um, I have to say that um, I. Didn't get this stupid, stupid. The, the, show. the show, the show had one one concept behind it, which was what? You, that, what you talking about, Willis? Yeah, that, that Gary Coleman kid. Let's find the next Gary Coleman. That's what it was. It was we got to find the next Gary Coleman. Terrible. And we're, we're waiting on the Blu-ray for this, by the way. For people who've been asking, they uh, sent us finally the Pacific, which came out last year uh, on Blu-ray and DVD. We're still waiting for the Blu-ray, which is really more important because this thing was aired in high def, uh, but not as high def as the Blu-ray. So the DVD looks fine. It's perfectly fine. But, it, you know, if you saw this during its original airing in high def, you know that the Pacific was a so-so middling kind of uh, miniseries. Not as good as Band of Brothers, but decent enough to hold your interest. But, you know, amazingly well photographed. So the question is, how does it look on Blu-ray? And we can't answer that this week. We can just tell you that the, uh, the, blue, the DVD comes in this really nice tin case. That is true. Ten episodes in this uh, epic miniseries. This is the Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks thing. And, uh, you know, those guys, ever since Saving Private Ryan, they're all about the uh, World War II. All about the WW2. That's right, the WWII. 
Yeah. And uh, it's a good, you know, it, it, it's good stuff. Not not every episode is uh, is total quality, but um, it's a very good, all, all total, very very good. There's a bunch of uh, extras on this thing. It's six discs. The thing won like eight Emmy awards, including best miniseries. So it's really good stuff. It's a real. I mean, it's an accomplishment. It's just if you compare it to Band of Brothers, it's not quite as good. I agree. But uh, well, now we're going to move into this week's movies. The movies on DVD. Interesting thing that's happening over at the uh, Warner Archives. Uh, you can find more out about it at warnerarchive.com. That's where Warner has all of their, uh, you know, buy and and burn it and. You know, buy to burn or burn to buy stuff where, you know, you can't buy it in a store. You can't get it anywhere. They'll, you just purchase it. They'll burn it. And then they send it to you on a DVD-R. A lot of old Vincent Minnelli movies that have never been on DVD before have now made the collection. Now, the thing is, if it's a Vincent Minnelli movie and it's never been on DVD before, it's probably not very good. The one that they have sent out for review, uh, the others are not available. The one they sent out for review is Two Weeks in Another Town. Now, this has an amazing cast, made in 1962. Vincent Minnelli is still in his prime. You know, he's still making good movies, but this is not one of them. Now, I find it hysterical how they... Mark, tell me. This is, this is what it says on the, on the back. Okay, this is, this is the, uh, the text meant to promote this. In 1952, star Kirk Douglas, director Vincent Minnelli, producer John Hausman, yes, that John Hausman, uh, and screenwriter Charles Schnee teamed for what many consider the greatest drama ever made about Hollywood, The Bad and the Beautiful. Ten years later, they took another Power Insider's look at the movie business. What does this have to do with <laughs> this? That? Is, this, is, this is their follow-up. But they, but they preface it by saying they made one of the greatest movies ever about Hollywood. And you go like, really? Two weeks in the town? No, Bad and the Beautiful. Eh. But this is the one that came ten years later. Uh, actually, what's interesting is there are some references to Bad and the Beautiful in here, which is kind of you know cheeky, but this really isn't very good. It's based on an Irwin Shaw novel. It's about the making of a, a kind of a Spartacus-type movie, uh, hence wink, wink, nudge, nudge, the Kirk Douglas presence in it. Um, Edward G. Robinson is the director. You know, it just, but it just is really, it doesn't move, and it's not very good. And I don't know why all these people couldn't bring their talents together to make it work. I mean, you know, Kirk Douglas, Edward G. Robinson, even Sid Charisse is in this. It should work. I don't know why it doesn't. But anyway. You know what movie he made right after Two Weeks in Another Town? Uh, Courtship of Eddie's Father. See? Now that's a good one. That was his next movie. But still, for Minnelli, you know what? Well, look. To me, Minnelli's real decade was the fifties. That's where Vincent Minnelli was like. True, that, that he, was, he was the man. And yeah, he was Brigadoon and the whole. He thing. was the man. He was the man. We have got open season three. Thank God. I know, right? Open season three, and you probably thought, really, open season two? How did I miss open season two? Uh, you you missed it because this stuff is just getting spat out to DVD and Blu-ray, and so here it is: a Blu-ray DVD combo pack of yet another open season. Naturally, the animation, not up to snuff, but uh, somehow this this movie, this crazy quasi-franchise, continues to attract uh, kids, so Sony sticks with it. Uh, it's fine. You know, this is the Disney model, and Sony is kind of jumping on it. A lot of cool Blu-ray exclusives here. Uh, look, the, the, the story, you know, come on, it's a bunch of crazy animals in the Northwest, and uh, yeah... It's got a it, there. Let's. It's just. It just doesn't work. But anyway, um, it's got a circus plot, and that's always a bad sign, to be honest. 
Anyway, uh, some Blu-ray exclusives. There's a Cannon Blast game, which has to do with the use of the cannon in the circus in the movie, which is really silly. And an interactive rabbit splat mode, which is also rather silly. You can, um, Mark, you can throw rabbits at the screen while you watch the movie. I want to throw rabbits at the screen. Actually, you know what I want to show? It's silly. I want to throw Welsh rarebit at the screen. That's a, that's a good idea. Well, anyway, in conjunction with that, they sent us uh, this little open season three plush toy. It look, I, I, you know, I don't know what kind of animal this is. It looks like a llama. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that, a little it's gray a, and white llama. It doesn't even stand up, so it's kind of a useless toy. Yes, it does. Look at that. How'd you do that? I've been trying to make that thing stand up for the last half hour. Oh, yeah. All right. I'm good. And, you know, uh, we also have the movie Gun on DVD and on Blu-ray, A City Caught in the Crossfire. This stars Val Kilmer looking, wow, oh, so menacing. And uh, 50 Cent, otherwise known as Curtis Jackson. Or this is actually written by 50 Cent. Curtis 50 Cent Jackson. Well, this is the thing. You know, you think 50 Cent, this guy, you know, he's, he's been shot 30, 40, 50 times. Whatever it is. He's, uh, he's a tough guy. He's got a gangster impre- you know, thing going. Um, I think it is so impressive that he would say, you know what, I'm going to try and uh, I'm going to do something different. So he did this movie Gun, which is about a guy who is in the court of King Henry the the Eighth, and um, really, no, actually, it's not. It's got nothing to do with it. Um, it's just it's, it's, it's Fifty it's, Cent just starring in the movie that Fifty Cent always stars in, where he gets look exactly. badass and hold a gun yeah. and pretend he's just gangster bank gangster bad. Yep, Whatever. it's it's a, it's about you know Detroit and uh, gun runners and lots of violence and shooting and uh, a lot of people in here who really uh, have had better days like James Remar and frankly Val Kilmer. John Larroquette also shows up in this thing for some bizarre no, unnamed. Yeah, yeah bizarre. it makes no sense. You know who else is in this movie though? Who's really stretching? Like you would never expect to find Danny Trejo in a movie like this, would you? <laughs> Danny Trejo is in every movie like that. Uh, speaking of guns, uh, Mark, you like this movie a lot more than I did. I didn't see it in the theater. If oh, I, I didn't cut... like this movie. Didn't you like? Oh, that's right. You were the one who didn't like it. That's what it I was. I was one of the only negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, for this movie. I'll let you go off on this, and then you can tell us about the Saw movies. No, Red. That's right. You were the you were the one that destroyed the one hundred percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes for Red. That's <laughs> I did. right. Now I remember. Uh, yeah, I kind of agree with you. This is the uh, special edition Blu-ray of a movie that inexplicably also got a bunch of Golden Globe nominations, but so did The Tourist. I find he, let me let me put it this way: it's based on a graphic novel uh, released by Summit. Um, I I like the cast. I like Brian Cox. I like Bruce Willis. I like Morgan Freeman. I think John Malkovich is terrific. I think uh, you know, honest to gosh, uh, Helen Mirren is terrific in this movie. I love Helen Mirren. Everybody knows that I love Helen Mirren, but this whole kind of aging A-team thing doesn't really work. Didn't work for me. Yeah, I just don't get it. It you know. They, it's 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 kind of cheeky. It tries to have the, the zippy one-liners and those cool moments, but I don't know. It just never. I never got into it. You know, the problem with the movie, and there's lots of problems with the movie, is that um, it doesn't really do a lot with its premise, no. which is you get these older retired yeah. spies who get together for one last job. 
but I never get a sense that they use all of their accumulated knowledge over the years. They no, find it, ways it, to use their limitations to their advantage. It doesn't feel age. like it had a plot. It feels like it had a, a bunch of sort of uh, set pieces that they wanted to execute and string them together. And the thing is, is that if this movie had any guts, yeah. because look, it's, it's all about these retired spies, right? Right. One of the retired spies is Bruce Willis, who never plays anything older than 40 years old. I know. So you have Morgan Freeman and Helen Mirren and John Malkovich, but still, really, you're hedging your bets by casting Bruce Willis, who can still do action stunt scenes. I got a question. Why is Richard Dreyfuss in this movie? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the silliest thing he's done since Moon Over Parador. Yeah, uh, but don't forget uh, Piranha 3D. Who can forget Piranha 3D? Yeah, that too. He's having a... What a year. Okay. Anyway. All right. But that's red. Mark, tell us about Saw. Uh, Saw. Oh, there's more. Oh, yeah. No, those... Yeah. What do we got there? Uh, well, we have uh, we have two Blu-rays. One is uh, Saw, uh, the final chapter unrated. The other is Saw 3D, the final chapter unrated. This is a, available on Blu-ray 3D. Now, uh, if you read the little sticker... It says, requires fully capable 3D HDTV, 3D Blu-ray player, or PS3, and 3D glasses not included, by the way. Boom. They don't even give you the 3D glasses. I mean, can you at least throw us a bone and give us the 3D glasses, which are like made out of plastic and cost five cents? I mean, come on, guys. That's just Wait. ridiculous. So uh, we didn't see the 3D version because we don't have a 3D TV. Um, all I can say is that the uh, uh, Saw, I think this is the 46th, 46th one in the, in the series, I believe. I stopped counting after 38. Yeah. Um, supposedly this is the final chapter. I think it is because the only reason why I think this is the final chapter is because yeah. the movie didn't do very well. You know, there's really no place else to go. At, a, at some point, all these franchises have to die so that they can reboot them. Yeah. So, I, that, so that Platinum Dunes can reboot them. But I don't think they can reboot Saw for at least another year. Can you imagine? Yeah. Uh, anyway, in the film, uh, it. Uh, I know. Uh, just, and normally, I, I normally I do have access to a 3D uh, television system, but with in the case of Saw, I just thought, really, honestly, really, like, what am I going to be able to say about this? There's no point. No point. We talked about Animal Kingdom on Blu-ray last week, and they uh, wound up sending us the DVD as well, uh, which I'm only going to talk about again just because, A, it's an awesome, wicked, cool movie, but also because, you know, I had the enormous pleasure of uh, presenting Jackie Weaver with her Supporting Actress Award at, at our Lafka dinner and sitting with her along with David Michaud, the writer-director of the film, and uh, producer Liz Watts, all of whom are first-rate people. You don't find a lot of first-rate people in Hollywood. These people rock. Um, truly, uh, Jackie Weaver was great. Her acceptance speech was terrific. Funny, funny little toss she gave to Mel Brooks at the end. Very, very funny. And David Michaud, you know what? This guy is the real deal. He is, he is young. He is talented. He is humble. Uh, he is absolutely just the sweetest, most charming person in the world. And Liz Watts, terrific. I mean, these guys just keep making movies please just keep making movies we need good people making movies all and those, those Edgerton brothers those guys are talented I know talented yeah, right. and uh, you know in anticipation of Black History Month a very interesting thing happened they announced over at Warner Home Video that they were going to uh, release two classic films from their library to Blu-ray for Black History Month and those films included The Color Purple and Malcolm X and then we got The Color Purple but we didn't get Malcolm X. Uh, 
And so as I am soaking in the riches of a schmaltzy and overdone, but nonetheless very engaging film, the Steven Spielberg film that was nominated for, what was it, 12 Oscars and wound up winning none of them. Um, uh, really, The Color Purple has just a beautiful score overseen by um, Quincy Jones, and it sounds surprisingly like what it would sound like if John Williams had written it. It's like a ton of people wrote that score. But anyway, uh, here's the thing. Why didn't we get Malcolm X? So I inquired. Turns out Malcolm X, just on the verge of going to Blu-ray, was pulled. Ooh, sounds like a music issue. Yep. Music rights. Isn't that wild? I'm trying to think what music was why, in that film. Just all, would, all, all that period stuff? I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, really, it, it, the fact that it got right to, that, to the edge where they, I mean, clearly they pressed them. They, they pressed however many copies of that thing. And we got the press releases, and those things are coming off the, uh, the factory line, and suddenly, bam, somebody hits them with a lawsuit. Why, why would they not figure that out before they... I don't know. It's mind-boggling. But anyway, the, uh, the Color Purple, meanwhile, starting off Black History Month, and we'll have more great titles uh, in that account to uh, talk about next week. This is done as their Blu-ray book. You know, they, they save the goodies for this particular treatment, and uh, you get a 40-page booklet with really cool glossy photos and all kinds of goodies in it. So you really get your money's worth out of this. Uh, the Color Purple looks spectacular on Blu-ray. It includes some great special features that you probably already saw if you have uh, seen the uh, special edition already on DVD, which includes conversations with the ancestors, uh, a collaboration of spirits, all these great little documentaries, The Color Purple, the musical, which, uh, you know, of course, is kind of a a bone to uh, Oprah Winfrey, who produced that thing actually the last time I was in Manhattan about, uh, gosh, what was it, five, six years ago, six years ago, seven years ago. Was just getting it was just getting ready to launch. Uh, so anyway, it really looks good. Uh, beautiful, beautiful effort on Blu-ray. Good job, people at Warner. You know it, Wade. Mark. Yes, on what Blu-ray. Up, what up with what up with that guy? On Nowhere Bl- Boy. On Blu-ray and DVD, we have Nowhere Boy. This is the uh, story of John Lennon, and specifically uh, John Lennon's childhood. Now, a lot of people know about John Lennon's Beatle years and uh, Yoko Ono and whatnot. But not many people realize the very interesting childhood that John Lennon had. This is a, it really it's a it's amazing they haven't made a movie out of this story before because it's a great story. I, I you know somehow I wish they didn't make this movie out of the story. I did. I like the movie. I didn't love the movie, but I thought it was competently made, and I thought the acting, especially by Kristen Scott Thomas and uh, the other actress who plays her sister, I thought I thought they were great. I thought it, they made the movie. Yeah, but you know what? If 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 the kid in this movie was uh, not John Lennon, would you care? No. There's something about You're it right. where you just feel like, meh, I guess. Yeah. Because, you know, John Lennon, uh, he was raised by his, uh, I guess, his mother's his aunt. sister, his yeah. aunt, yeah. not realizing until he was older that his mother was like living like right down the block. Yeah. So he winds up striking up a new relationship with his mother. And, Who's uh, really never grown up. She's she's kind of a wild girl, you know. There's that clash between the sisters, the irresponsible young crazy one and the, the responsible older one who has already has kids of her own and all that stuff. Yeah, somehow this uh, this movie never stopped being absolutely fine. You know, it just never stopped being fine, and I was expecting a lot more. Uh, do you need to see this on Blu-ray? Uh, you do not. There's There are no special Blu-ray-specific features. Uh, there are deleted scenes that I'm making of. But otherwise, uh, I think you can do better. I think a really good John Lennon documentary would do better than what this film does. Says I. One of the uh, funniest schlock films of the past 20 years is now 20 years old. 
And that is Lloyd Kaufman's trauma release, There's Nothing Out There. Now, I had never even heard of this thing before. And so I'm kind of, you know, it's like, really? 20th anniversary edition? I've never heard of this movie. But I don't hear about a lot of uh, Kaufman trauma stuff until it's long past its birthing date. Uh, the film was directed and written by a guy named Rolf Konevsky. And uh, is he talented? No, not really. But you don't have to be when you make movies for trauma. This uh, is kind of a spoof of all of those uh, horror movies where people go away into the woods and then horrible things happen. It, uh, it just really just riffs on that entire concept in uh, a rather schlocky and often amusing way. Uh, again, not good, but definitely worth checking out if you want to just uh, enjoy the campiness of it all. And, uh, you know, uh, I think it's actually funnier than a lot of those uh, horror spoofs. The, uh, what are they? What are they called now? Uh, scary oh. movie. The scary movies. Yeah, the scary movies. Yeah, n- n- not as funny. This is funnier. I, I don't find those scary movie spoofs funny at all. I don't either, to be honest. I feel like there's no, it's just, there's no cleverness to it. No, you're right. It's just, it's just gags. On Blu-ray, Dead Space Aftermath. This is some pretty decent animation, I gotta say. Um, you know, so much of the stuff that winds up, the animated stuff that winds up on Blu-ray is, uh, you, it just, it looks either overly CGI'd or not sufficiently drawn if it's not CGI. But uh, this is a collaboration from Anch- between Anchor Bay and Manga, who does a lot of anime stuff. And uh, it's, it's a pretty decent kind of anime fusion. You know, it, it has anime roots uh, because, uh, you know, there were, there were some anime veterans involved in it. But it's, uh, it is nonetheless a, uh, an American production. And, uh, yeah, you know what, Film Roman uh, oversaw it, and uh, I I think uh, it's definitely worth checking out. The animation is better than the story by far, but uh, definitely check it out. It takes place in uh, 2509, way, way in the future, and the ship, I kind of enjoy this, the ship name here is USG O'Bannon. You get that? Oh, like Dan O'Bannon? As in Dan O'Bannon. See, a little little nod to uh, Alien. Alien there, which is kind of cool. Uh, and alien-like, oh, and and the uh, the planet, the um, uh, the, the uh, well, I won't give, I, I won't get. Yeah, there's some the fun stuff here. I won't give it away. It uh, a lot of cool little referential things here, both to American and Japanese stuff. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's it has kind of an alien-esque plot to it. So uh, yeah, not bad, not bad. Animation's really really good. And then not so uh, well animated is Dinner for Schmucks. Yeah, I was not a fan of this. Yeah, uh, Dinner for Schmucks. Uh, of course, it's not animated, but the the people in it aren't very well animated. This is a sad misfire for everybody involved: Steve Carell, Paul Rudd, and director Jay Roach. All of them have done better work. Uh, this is a remake of the French film The Dinner Game by Francis Weber, which is much funnier and which, which actually by the way, never gets to the dinner. There's no dinner in dinner. I know in dinner in the con game or the dinner in the game. dinner game. Yeah. Uh, but here you you get to the dinner and they it just goes completely off the wall. It this thing is, sails right off the rails. It's silly. It's goofy. It's absurd and way over the top. And uh, I found it totally unfunny. And of course the idea is you know there's a guy who wants to get a promotion and he finds out his boss is a sadist who has this weird uh, dinner where you know everybody's supposed to bring an idiot, uh, an unsuspecting idiot, to talk about their weird occupation, and he has to go find an idiot to bring. And that idiot winds up being Steve Carell, who you know uses these weird stuffed mice, dead stuffed mice, to you know make these weird little uh, 
Good. little dioramas. It just doesn't work. It's Good. unfortunate. Anyway, it's on Blu-ray and DVD. We got it on Blu-ray. No reason whatsoever to watch this movie in any format at all. Not many uh, special features. Just kind of you know outtake reel, deleted scenes, and some uh, featurette stuff. All of it culled from the EPK. Not worth it. Dud. Not worth it at all. Go rent the original. Absolutely. Good stuff. Uh, less good stuff is uh, Secretariat. This is the Disney film with Diane Lane and John Malkovich. You know, Disney does a lot of these uh, kind of formulaic sports films, and some of them I like. I thought Miracle was good. I liked Miracle with uh, Kurt Russell. This one, which is directed by Randall Wallace, who wrote uh, Braveheart. Seabiscuit, it is not, you're saying? I love Seabiscuit. Uh, I do not necessarily love this. Uh, here we have Diane Lane uh, plays a Petty Chenner, uh, Penny Chenery, who inherits... Uh, this enormous stable from her father, and in the stable is this horse, and uh, the horse, of course, becomes the uh, last triple crown uh, winner. What I didn't like about it is that it just it felt a little uh, trapped in amber. It just felt a little uh, too formulaic. Um, you know, it even had the uh, classic uh, hoary magical Negro cliche, where like they have the oh jeez, yeah. you know, like the magical Negro cliche, where like yeah. the like like the black. The black trainer come, walks out onto the racetrack and screams at the top of his lungs and something like never happened in real life, but it just, you know, he just, Lord, the horse is going to win, that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, just, yeah. Oh, this is just so terrible. It's so cliche. It's almost insulting. Uh, um, Dan Lane is fine in, um, in a performance uh, of, 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 of Total Plastic. You know, I, yeah. I, you know, I just didn't, really, I didn't like this movie. Oh, you know, I, I saw it. Uh, in a screening in uh, West L.A. Uh, with Randall Wallace in, in attendance. And afterwards, uh, there was food. Ah, there you go. That's so I was happy. Funny, yeah. Now, here's the thing with the, uh, the movie. It is uh, very well shot. So uh, the Blu-ray, I think, does give you something. So if you have a choice between Blu-ray and regular DVD, I would go for the, um, the Blu-ray. Although this is a, a two-disc combo pack, so you get both in this Disney release of uh, Secretariat, which is uh, kind of a mediocre sports movie. Well, I, I, I kind of enjoyed it, but it's, I, you know, I agree with his, everything you said, and I have no disagreement. Uh, we got another interesting title here from the Warner Archive Collection. This one is worth checking out. It's called Two-Faced Woman. Uh, here's the thing that I, really troubles me about the Warner Archive Collection, which is that all the great Greta Garbo stuff is in the Warner Archive Collection. They have not put it out on regular commercial buy-it-off-the-shelf DVD, which... You know, is a little annoying because it would be nice to have some of that stuff more readily available. Because Greta Garbo is one of the great movie stars ever, um, and people aren't being exposed to her. They're sort of it, it, you have to go search it out, and that's too bad. Uh, Two Faced Woman, not her best film, but certainly a very good film, and it was her last film, made in 1941. It reunited her with Melvin Douglas uh, for the first time since Ninotchka. Uh, and uh, also reunites her with her Ninochka director, George Cooker, who would, of course, go on to direct uh, My Fair Lady and win a very deserved Academy Award for it. Now, Cooker, one of the great Hollywood directors of all time. Um, honestly, Garbo may possibly the greatest movie star of all time, just in terms of... Uh, if, you know, I think if she had a longer career. It would have been, for sure. Anyway, uh, again, not the greatest film they've all made, but a very good film, a fun romantic comedy about in which Garbo uh, pretends to be her own twin, 
to try and resurrect the interest of her uh, of her guy, played by Melvin Douglas. Uh, a lot of fun stuff here, and definitely worth checking out, even if you just rent it, even if you stream it or whatever. But I would I would get this one on, on DVD. What I really enjoy is that they have the original one-sheet packaging here on the uh, artwork, and the uh, the tagline here, it, it just wouldn't mean the same today. Mark, read the tagline for the people. Go gay with Garbo. There you go. <laughs> That's what it says. I just work here. Although, you know, uh, seriously, her to me, her best performance is still her second-to-last film, which was Nanotchka. I mean, you know. Yeah, Nanotchka is just that was, is, is, is it. Yep, that's I love the that deal. movie. That is a great movie. And, you know, Melvin Douglas was so young-looking. But it's also, that's Lubitsch. And you, so you're talking just know, really. And you know what? The, uh, it, was, it was co-written by Billy Wilder. So you've got some very... The pedigree, of, the pedigree of Ninochka. When you look at oh, the people yeah. who did that, you just go, oh, my gosh. Billy Wilder, oh Charles gosh. Brackett, Ernst Lubitsch. It's unreal. Greta Garbo. It's like, how do you go wrong? So, But the thing is that, is, is that it's, it was 1939, but it's not one of those kind of boring old movies. Billy Wilder was a very funny – he was a great writer, and uh, he, he had a lot of personality and a lot of humor that holds up today, not like a lot of the old, not like the old style humor that doesn't hold up today. True. The Billy Wilder stuff totally holds up. You know, uh, we have some compilations now that we're going to get into. Uh, believe it or not, Claudette Colbert and Fred McMurray made some romantic comedies together. Not hugely crazy classics, but uh, they made some. They made three. Uh, the Gilded Lily in 1935, The Bride Comes Home in 1936, and Family Honeymoon way down in 1948, 12 years later. And uh, good chemistry here. I'm not. I'm. I don't think any of these films are just amazing. But I love both of these actors so much that it's just a lot of fun to watch them. And you get some really good supporting performances here, like uh, you know Ray Milland and. Uh, nah, nah, nah. There's only one Fred McMurray movie that matters. Well, are you The Apartment? Yeah, I or, guess there's two. Yeah, the, they're they're both Billy Wilder movies, The Apartment and uh, Double, Double Indemnity. Indemnity. Yeah. yeah, and he's completely different in each. Well, he's kind of dark in both of them. You know, I, I, I I always thought that was the oddest casting of Fred McMurray in Double Indemnity. It works though. Oh yeah, it works great. Oh, it works, but I, but it was funny. I was because I, I, I'd read the um, the Cameron Crow. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The uh, Billy Wilder book. Yeah, yeah. And, and Fred McMurray realized that that was not the perfect movie for him. So basically, he just trusted Billy Wilder just to say, "If I'm screwing it up, yeah. just tell me," because I have I have no conception of why I'm in this movie. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, if you are a Ronald Reagan lover, you are going to be thrilled because 2011 is all about Ronald Reagan. If you don't like Ronald Reagan, either as an actor or a president, just grit your teeth. It's going to be all about Ronald Reagan. I'll tell you why. Because 2011 represents not only the year that would have been Ronald Reagan's 100th birthday, but also the 30th anniversary of him being elected president. So everybody's jumping on the Reagan bandwagon. And uh, starting it off, we have this uh, release from Warner Brothers called the Ronald Reagan Centennial Collection. And what they've done is they've gone and they've gotten a bunch of old Reagan movies out of their library and thrown them all onto one box set. Some of them have been out before. Some of them have not. It, uh, it's, uh, you get eight movies, including Betty Davis, <clears throat> excuse me, in Dark Victory, which you go, well, that's a Betty Davis movie. That's not a Ronald Reagan movie. Right, but Reagan's in it. Uh, Newton Rockney, All-American, definitely a Reagan movie. King's Row, ensemble film, Reagan's, like, third billing. Uh, Desperate Journey, he's kind of a co-star. And then you get This is the Army, Hasty Heart, Storm Warning, 
and the winning team. Now, those last four are kind of uh, filler here. Uh, the the top four, Dark Victory, Newt Rockne, All-American, King's Row, and Desperate Journey, those are the real movies. Uh, Desperate Journey is the one, it's, it's actually uh, a um, World War II film, uh, with uh, Errol Flynn in it. And uh, that's a pretty good movie uh, that a lot of people may not have heard of. So, you know, definitely check that out. But the others, whatever. You know, they throw them in when there's nothing else going on. And then a uh, better boxed set is the films of Rita Hayworth, which includes introductions by Martin Scorsese, Baz Luhrmann, and Patricia Clarkson. Uh, the movies here are Cover Girl, Tonight and Every Night, Gilda, Miss Sadie Thompson, and Salome. Now, Gilda is the the to die for movie that everybody just points to uh, when they want to say, you want to see how glorious Rita Hayworth was? Forget about Marilyn. Forget about all the rest of them. It's all about Rita. And I have to say, um, I am partial to Rita because uh, Rita was one of my father's students. My father taught Rita Hayworth when she was a little girl. Her father was my father's dancing instructor at his school. My father had an acting school and Eduardo Canseno, uh, Rita Hayworth's uh, father was the uh, the acting the dancing instructor. So little Rita Hayworth and my father were tight. So Rita Hayworth is a, a very popular name in my household. But uh, that being said, that conflict of interest uh, being fully bared, I just think uh, she is divine. And even in movies where she's not so good, like Salome, which is you know kind of nearing the end of her uh, her hotness. Awesome. Still, she's great. She just lights it up. So check it out. Gilda, obviously, you can get separately, and CoverGirl is not bad either. Uh, but uh, it's, a, it's a good set. So the films of Rita Hayworth, the collector's choice from uh, the people at Sony. From the good people at Sony. The good people at Sony. Mark, what yes. else we got? Well, we have uh, something that seems lame, but it's actually really cool. This is um, the Ultimate Gulliver Collection. Two full-length animated features. And the reason why... This was supposed to piggyback on the Jack Black movie. And boy, that thing just was dead on arrival. Jeez, that just died. Dead on arrival. Uh, you know, the first animated, the first feature-length animated film was, of course, Snow White. And the second was Gulliver's Travels. That is true. Yeah. The second was Gulliver's By Travels. By the Fleischers. That's right. And that is what this DVD contains. <laughs> and I remember that Gulliver's Travel uh, Travels when I was a kid watching it, and it's very good. Oh, it's, it's awesome. But it, it nearly bankrupted them. The Fleischers. In fact, it may have. Sure, Max and, uh, Max and Dave, sure. Yeah. Uh, now, Max and Dave, of course, also did uh, the, all the Popeye cartoons and the Betty Boops. Yeah. Uh, so here we have Gulliver's Travels, which is, a, which is a real serious piece of animation history, so that's great. And also something a little newer called Gulliver's Travels Beyond the Moon. That's kind of like, uh, you know, whatever. It was, it, was, it was actually anime produced in Japan, so it's a little bizarre. Um, so you got that. You've got seven Fleischer cartoons, um, which are vintage and great. And uh, you've got Gulliver. Uh, um, you've got a Gulliver film. Get this. Now, Wade, you'll love this. Yeah. We got a Gulliver film from 1902 by special effects pioneer Georges Méliès. Oh, that's sweet. Which is really great because Méliès was sort of the original movie, movie fantasist. Yeah. He was the original special effects guy. That's pretty great. He was the guy who did Trip to the Moon in yeah. you know, 1903 or 1902, whatever it was. Yeah. And uh, so this DVD looks lame on the surface, but it's actually really cool. Awesome. Sweet. Uh, also moderately cool is the Bob Hope Collection. This is the five-movie set from the good people at Chad Factory, who we always like very much. Uh, the five films are The Lemon Drop Kid, Road to Bali, Road to Rio, 
my favorite brunette and the seven little foys. Now, not all of these movies are great, but unlike other um, uh, multi-movie sets, none of these are terrible. These are all decent yeah. Bobo films. Yeah, they're, they're no, they're all good. I mean, uh, there's not much of a stinker in the bunch here. My se- the the Seven Little Foys is kind of an odd one because it is uh, it's a dramatic role. It's not a particularly comedic film in in any sense, but uh, he's really good in it. He stretches a little bit, and uh, it's based on a true story. That's and, the, the and interesting you, one to me. And you've got two road movies, which is great. Oh, any road movie is great. Come on, get some. Bing Crosby. Road to Bali has been is kind of a public domain title. It gets out there, you know, 150 different times. But this transfer is really good. So get this for Road to Bali instead of the others. For the Bob Hope lover in your life. And if you're a, a Guy Madden lover, then you're going to want to get the uh, the quintessential Guy Madden. Now this is from Zeitgeist, and all they've done here is they have taken, you know, Guy Madden is a guy from Winnipeg, Canada, who makes very strange movies that make David Lynch films look normal. Um, I, I, I like Guy Madden. I do, too. He's a great guy. I mean, but his movies, you know, the idea is he shoots them so that they look like they were shot in 1927 with really bad recording equipment, and then somebody rolled a Mack truck over the negative. You know, it's intentional. But anyway, the uh, four discs here, and the movies are Careful from 1992, uh, Twilight of the Ice Nymphs from 1997, Archangel 1990, uh, Dracula Pages from a Virgin's Diary from 2003, which is really interesting. And then his 2004 film, Cowards Bend the Knee. Uh, they all have commentaries on them uh, with Guy Madden and his associates. And there's a really cool hour-long documentary here uh, narrated by Tom Waits, of all people, uh, that's all about uh, Madden's coming of age. I, I cannot imagine Tom Waits. Uh, Guy Madden came out of Winnipeg and he decided to make some weird movies. And then there was an old, sad man on the side of the road playing a banjo. Wow, wait. I know, right? Impressive. Uh, you also get some short films and uh, radio stuff. It's a, it's a nice collection. Now, all of these movies have been released previously by uh, Zeitgeist, but uh, they have put them all in, the, in, a, just in a regular DVD keep case-sized package that is beautiful. So it's space-saving. And it's gorgeous. So if you don't have any of the any of these movies yet, get this one. Says you. And wrapping things up, we're going to talk about a documentary, Client Nine, uh, the rise and fall of Elliot Spitzer, which I think is one of the great documentaries of last year, because they get Spitzer to be uh, Alex Gibney is a hell of a documentarian. You know, he did the uh, Taxi to the Dark Side, which won an Oscar, which won an Oscar, and uh, here he gets. Uh, Spitzer to be very frank and on the record about everything and uh, he gets other people to be very frank and on the record and it really is you know I thought gosh didn't we see all this in the news just a few months ago or a year ago like what more is he going to tell me you know what he tells you a lot he really he, he gets the inside story in ways that you you would never have known if you were just following it in the mainstream media it, it, it charts a very interesting arc which is uh, Spitzer's uh, the ascension of his career and how he became really a crusader against big business, where he was really, he took it as, as, as an almost religious charge. The people who would eventually cause and in many ways be implicated in the big meltdown, he was already on their tails long before anybody else. Yes, and what happened was he wound up making some very powerful enemies. And uh, they took him down, and he, you know, he got a little full of himself. 
You know, he the, the, the there is some there is there's some, a Citizen Kane aspect to it in many respects. There is some uh, hubristic, uh, uh, yeah. you know, reasons why he wound up. Uh, but uh, but yeah. again, ultimately, again, he made some very powerful enemies, he and did. that that didn't help. Yeah. So the movie charts a, a really smooth, interesting, full, complete arc of his rise and fall. It is a terrific documentary. And uh, it is on Blu-ray. They sent it to us on Blu-ray. And i, I got to say, it's probably enough to have it on DVD. But Magnolia is uh, making an effort to try and mainstream even their documentaries on Blu-ray. And this is a particularly good effort. Really attentive work. So uh, that's it for this week. Email us at gods at digigods.com. Watch us Thursdays, 8 p.m. Pacific time, stupidformovies.com. But not this week because it's uh, Oscars on Tuesday. And uh, we will see you next week. 